Uh, hi, I'm Mike Carey, sometimes Mark Carey. Uh, I write fantasy and horror and science fiction in a whole bunch of formats. Prose, comics, screenplays, occasionally games and radio plays. This is a series with author M.R. Carey. The start of the series is episode 148. The Girl with All the Gifts was a word-of-mouth bestseller. Tell us how that snowballed into a bestseller. Were there some kind of conditions that were ripe for this to happen? I think there were, yes, although um, there were also some auspices that were not so good. So this was at a point in my career when I, I, it would be melodramatic to say I hit rock bottom, but it wasn't a good place. I'd written the five Felix Castor novels, They'd done okay, as I said, but they really weren't, um, you know, they, 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 they weren't uh, making any kind of a splash. And my publishers did that thing, which is uh, they, they, they started throwing me at trends. They started saying, you know, there are these, these novels out there are doing well. Why don't you write that kind of novel? And the first thing they said was codes and conspiracies are really big. You know, Dan Brown is Slavery of the Month. Write a Dan Brown novel. And I did. Yeah, I wrote two Dan Brown novels uh, as Adam Blake. I wrote two novels that were about sort of lost gospels, of the Bible and secret societies and um, sort of steganographic writings and all this kind of stuff and kind of enjoyed it. But it was going against the grain. It, it was they're, they're a long, long way away from the other stuff I've written. And although, it, like I said, it's fun to stretch, stretch new, uh, new muscles, I felt like I was drifting. And then they said, body swaps, mind and body swaps are going to be the next big thing. Write a body swap thriller. A body swap thriller is a type of story where two people swap their consciousness into the other's body. And so the story is about each person trying to survive in the other person's uh, situation. And I started to plan a body swap thriller. And I thought, you know, this is... This is not fun anymore. This is, this is kind of like, uh, like I'm taking dictation. But then I wrote a short story. Charlene Harris and Tony Kellner used to do these anthologies every year. Fantasy, dark fantasy, supernatural, horror stories, ghost stories. And the, the brief was always that they would give you something really banal and everyday and familiar and tell you to do something weird or scary with it. So one year it was home improvements, another year it was family vacations. And this year... They invited me to submit a story, and the theme was school days. So I wrote the short story that became Iphigenia and Alice, the, uh, which is the, the sort of seed for Girl with All the Gifts. And I wrote it in four days. I was in Norway in a hotel room. I was in Norway for a, a comms convention in a hotel room that had no, um, no eating. So I was freezing to death, cowering under a duvet uh, and type, typing away at this story whenever I wasn't on the convention floor. And I really liked the story. I was, I was very, very happy with how it came out. It's basically um, the, the, the first few chapters of the novel. It's about Melanie at the base, and it ends with the, um, the attack on the base and the base falling. 
And I thought, I like this character, I like this voice. So I went to my, my editor at the time, Anne Clark, and I said, okay, I know I'm, I'm uh, contracted to write you this body swap thriller. I don't want to write that. I want to write this. And um, it, was, it was kind of a hard sell. Anne, Anne liked the story, but she pointed out there, were, there was a lot of contractual stuff to unpick if I was going to uh, do this instead. Because at that point, my agent, uh, Meg, had left uh, the agency where she'd been working to found her own agency, and I'd come with her. So I needed to go back to my old agency, MBA, and say, look, you know this contract that would have given you some money? Would you mind if, if we scrap that contract and I sign a new contract that won't give you anything at all? Would that be okay? And strangely, they were reluctant. They, 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 um, but, they, but they let me do it. Um, we reached an understanding. Um, and I wrote, the, I wrote the novel in a kind of fever. It came very, very quickly. And at the same time, I was, uh, I'd met this independent producer, Camille Gatin, and I'd pitched it to her as a movie. So I was writing the movie and the novel simultaneously. Wow. Orbit liked it. They thought this is probably, you know, it has the potential to be a, a more successful than the cast of novels. So the word of mouth thing, I mean, what they did was um, they, they did a, a, an ARC, a proof copy, and they printed a ton of these things. These days it would all be done on NetGalley. It would all be digital for the most part. But they sent them out to many, many bloggers and influencers. So they, they, they made sure they'd got into the hands of a lot of people who, would, who, if they liked it, would talk about it. And they did like it, and they did talk about it, and they, it, it sort of it snowballed from there, really. Wow. All right. Yeah. Okay, cool. No, I see, I see the, the, the word of mouth. It sounds like you had a very savvy publisher. They were using influencers to help that uh, uh, happen. That's cool. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think there's a sense in which you know, things succeed in part because publishers decide that they will succeed. Yeah, they, they did a much bigger print run than they'd done for any other cast of books or any of my earlier books. They put all this effort into the marketing. I think one of the big factors, to be honest, although it sounds, uh, it sounds superficial, I think our cover was an, an incredible tool in getting people to pick up the book. It had that bright mustard yellow color to it and it had that really beautiful but enigmatic image of the girl with her arms thrown wide and you don't know is she opening a door is she waving is she asking for a hug what what is this about it, it makes you want to pick the book up uh, and they used a blurb that did not use the z word said nothing about zombies at all <laughs> just kind of gave you a teaser so i think a lot of people picked it up and thought wait a second, this is a zombie book. But by that time, they were sort of invested in what was happening and who Melanie was and why these things were, were being done to her. Because we're talking about the girl with all the gifts and, and, and maybe not the listening audience is familiar with it. Can you give us a, like, a, like what, what, what is the girl with all the gifts about and uh, in a way that people listening to this podcast can connect with it and, and, and catch interest in it? Sure. So it's, um, it's a story about zombies, basically. It's a story that's set about 20 years after uh, the zombie apocalypse has happened. Civilization, our global civilization has come crashing to the ground. There are a few human enclaves left. In one of those human enclaves, they found a group of children in the wild who seem to be zombies, seem to be hungry. So they have the, 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 the pathogen, which is uh, Ophiocordyceps. They definitely have the infection. They definitely have the hunger for human flesh. But also they have intelligence and empathy. They're normal 
than normal children. Mm. They think and feel like normal children. So the scientists at this um, this base, Base Hotel Echo, are convinced that there's a cure here. There's a potential cure. If they can find out why these kids have the partial immunity, they can they can develop a vaccine that will protect the rest of the human race. But in order to do this, they're basically um, conducting experiments on the children, and the experiments are hideous. And they, they include vivisection. <laughs> Melanie is one of those children. She's grown up on this base. She's never known anything else. Um, she takes it all for granted. She loves the people she interacts with, both the sort of um, the psychologists who work with the children, the scientists, the soldiers who guard them. They're all her friends as far as she's concerned. This is her normal. And it's the story of an attachment that she forms for one of the psychologists, Miss, Miss Justineau, Helen Justineau. And Justineau is, is there to do a job, but can't turn off her empathy and comes to care for the children and especially for Melanie. And that sort of like changes the outcome of the experiment, let's say. If you enjoy listening to Sci-Fi Thoughts, but find it difficult to remember to check the website for new shows, get this technology from the future. Install into your phone a podcast player. Using this, you can subscribe to our podcast feed. And next thing you know, you'll be cruising around in your car with your phone plugged in, playing sci-fi thoughts, or you'll be out there jogging, or you'll be doing whatever you want to do. And have your ears plugged into some cool science fiction programming. You can find instructions on lancerkind.com. We've got some goodies for you in the show notes, along with links to M.R. Carey's author site, his personal website, as well as a link to a cover of the Book of Coley, a really special cover where if you look at it with your Google lens, you will see some cool on-cover animation. How to find the show notes? They're right there in your podcast player. If you just tap on the link that allowed you to play this in your podcast player, you will see the show notes. If you're not using a podcast player, go back to the site where you downloaded this MP3 and you will see the show notes on the webpage right there. If you're like my friend Steve and you missed the first episode, the series started at episode 148. You can find that in the show archive. You can find the archive by typing in Lancer Sci-Fi Thoughts Archive. Next episode, more MR Carry. So I heard earlier in the first, when we talked about comics, is that that taught you how to be very careful with your words and, and meet a budget to tell a story. And then that helped you get into write novels that were tighter and, and, and intentional. That's the kind of like the craft connection between comics and novels. I'm wondering also, is there any stories that you've brought from your comics and novelized them or maybe even vice versa? 